Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. It's my great joy to have as my conversation partner today, Joel Leal. Joel is a guy that I knew at Kensington Church during uh, Kelly and I's years there not all that terribly long ago, and he's involved in leading student ministries there now. Uh, he's a U of M fan and an all-around great guy. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Steve. I appreciate the time being here. Yo, one of the topics that we cover on the show is just different challenges that people are having in life and specifically in parenting. And I just am so grateful for how you and Taylor have been pretty, pretty candid, uh, either in your speaking or in your social media presence about some of the, some of the curveballs that, that life has thrown you as parents and grace that God has given you along the way. And would just love for you to share whatever parts of your story you feel comfortable sharing with our listeners. Yeah, so um, just to kind of speed things along for you, we have uh, we have two kids. We have Jackson, who is five, um, and Blake, who will be turning three here in just a couple of weeks at the end of January. So um, we are balancing life of two kids, kindergarten, all of that. Unique to our story is Jackson has a pretty rare genetic disorder that we've just kind of been tackling through over the last year and a half or so. And so it's called KDM5C syndrome. As of right now, we know there's less than 100 cases in the world with his disorder. And so uh, for us walking through this line, it's been kind of challenging, but also we've seen God working in it. It's a unique situation that we did not see ourselves in. And, you know, he has a lot of kind of tendencies that are, would be considered on the autism spectrum, nonverbal, he has a handful of words here and there, mood swings stuff, you know, obviously some vision. There's just a bunch of like things that as we kind of peel the onion back, we're discovering who he is, but also so uh, there's a little bit of, you know, kind of frustration of not knowing what the future looks like because there are so few cases of this genetic disorder in the world right now. So, Joe, when did you and Taylor start to learn that something was not typical developmentally? Yeah. Well, as new parents, you kind of, everyone tells you when those milestones are supposed to be. You're supposed to be walking at this age, talking at this age, doing this. And with Jackson, everything was kind of delayed milestones. And so as, you know, new parents, you kind of, you know, you worried about that. And so we were kind of always trying to figure out, okay, what, you know, why isn't he, you know, babbling yet? Why isn't he talking? Why isn't he walking? Walking was like the big thing. And so we had... I think he was about 18 months and he hasn't, he wasn't walking yet. So like every parent's, you know, red flags are going up right now. Like what is going on? Like, and so I remember us sitting there and somebody, he kind of had his eye was kind of doing like a lazy eye type of movement. And so someone's like, he should get his vision checked. And I was like, how do you get a vision checked for a 18 month? Like, how do, what does that even look like? Um, we went and got his vision checked and the doctor recommended glasses. And I kid you not the next day he was walking. And so we were like, oh my gosh, like maybe this was like, he just had bad eyes, like he's walking, like we kind of had this like false sense of hope almost. We're like, okay, now everything's going to catch up. Like now he can actually see our faces. He can start mimicking words. And so we were kind of like on this new trajectory of like excitement going, maybe all these milestones are now going to be hit. Um, and then, you know, a year passes by two years, we're still not getting all of the words, everything. And so then that just put us down a new, you know, rabbit hole of, you know, testing doctors meetings, all of these to kind of figure out what was going on MRIs, like on the brain to try to figure out if there was like delayed myelination tissue, all of these like crazy things that we were trying to figure out. And we just kept striking out, like not getting 
any real answers um, to what was going on. And so finally, a doctor, a neurologist recommended some deep genetic testing. And when we did that, when we went down that road and had a couple of confirmations, there was, um, you know, kind of a break in his genetic line um, that they could point to and say, hey, this is, I think, where the overlying problem is. And so when you get that news, um, you know, genetics are, uh, you know, kind of a black and white area. There's not like a a rehab right now where it can fix genetic chromosomal breaks. It's kind of like, hey, this is now the new path that you are going down. And it's a pretty black and white path that there's therapies and things to alleviate, but there's nothing that can necessarily, you know, in the human world, fix this problem that you now have. And Joe, what was it like to be on the receiving end of that information? It's hard, obviously. You kind of have this season of mourning, like in a way where you're like, the, the way that you look at your child's life with all of the other milestones and having Blake, who's our, you know, now almost three-year-old, um, walking through this, even with her, like, you kind of hit the different morning phases where, like, with Jackson being nonverbal and not being able to communicate as easily as Blake, you know, even her, she's talking early, she's having full conversations with us, she's telling us about, you know, what she wants to eat, what she wants to, you have all of these things and you have different, like, times of mourning where you're like, man, I missed out on all of these with, you know, Jackson, because we just, you know, we didn't know what we were missing until we had that second one of just those like moments that all, you know, many other parents get to experience the, and that was what's, you know, frustrating for us is like the, the frustration side of like, man, Harry, what is his, like, what's going on in his mind? Is he able to understand this? And then you get this genetic, you know, disorder or diagnosis and you're just kind of hit with like almost a sense of finality in a way where like other types of, you know, de developmental delays, there's like hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel where you're saying, Hey, you know, we can work at this, we can improve, we can do this. And then all of a sudden you get hit with like a genetic thing where, you know, I look at it and like in the medical sense going like, man, there's like, there's not a, there's not a quick fix for this. This is now on a track that we're going to go down where it's more of like, how do we live with this and how do we make the most of this rather than how do we fix this? Yeah. Joe, you, you and I both come from like good hardwired old school Pentecostal roots. Like how did, how did you process well-meaning people who, who wanted to help and were maybe given some spiritual answers that felt like oversimplifications? Yeah. I think that was, you know, something that I've always, you know, obviously, yeah, I grew up in that type of background, you know, and I've seen God do miracles in my own family. Like I've seen God heal. I've seen God do incredible things. Um, and so sometimes like, I never want to put, you know, a finality on what Jackson's going through um, is like, well, this is the end all be all. Like, obviously we have faith, but also like for me, I've learned to like kind of realign what I think a miracle could be. <laughs> and so for us, like right now, you know, we have, like I said, there's no long-term case studies of what a child with KDM5C looks like when they're 35, 45, 50. Like, we have no idea what that looks like. Um, and so for us, like, the miracles that we're looking at and the things that like, we're like, man, it would be a miracle if one day, like Jackson was able to like live by himself. Like if that's the miracle, like maybe he's never going to have the full vocabulary we have. Maybe he's not going to be, but like, if he could be like in a group home or if he could live like that would be a miracle because right now, like we don't see how that's an option or possibility. And so sometimes people will be like, you know, I believe he can like speak tomorrow. Like we just need to, and I'm like, I understand. And that's like good. Well, and like, I feel that, but also I'm like, I'm kind of realigning what I believe in miracles. 
miracle would be. And so not to like taper expectations, but in a way it's like, I believe God can, this would be amazing if this could happen because right now, like we're looking at it and it's not a doom and gloom, but it's like, it's a tough, like it's an uphill battle that we're looking at for him and well-meaning things that people say sometimes it doesn't like, it doesn't make me mad, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, the way you're saying it like does like hurt because you're making it sound like, you know, this is just a quick thing that we could fix really easily when I'm like, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. I'm so glad to just to hear the candor in it, Joe. And I think what's been compelling to so many people about your story is just your willingness to be able to say that this is hard and we could use prayer or we need help or we're tired. Like, how have you learned to, to voice those needs in, in a world where sometimes it's, you know, people don't always give you margin to say, I need help. Yeah. And I think, you know, with anyone who's parenting um, a child with special needs, you look at the world differently now. Like you look at the world through those lenses. And for us, we want to create awareness for not only Jackson, but the other kids who are, you know, going through this syndrome. Uh, But also like, it's a way of us to like communicate, you know, to our friends and family, people around us. Hey, if we don't like show up to a birthday party, it's not because we don't care about you. We don't love you. It's because like, it creates a lot of stress for us to bring him into an environment that we don't know if it's necessarily like set up well for him. And so we have some people in our lives who are really good at checking in. And like, sometimes it's like for us, like they'll even go so far as like to even give us a, a an exit strategy of like, before we go, like, Hey, we're, you know, we're having people over, Hey, if it's going to be too much for Jackson, like we have another room that he can go into. Um, and he, you know, it's got couches and sofas and he can just kind of sit in there. And if you guys need to go, you know, remove yourself from the party for a few minutes, like to go spend some time over there, if it's overwhelming. And like, they give us that break where it's like, okay, that's, like we feel seen we feel like somebody has like thought about us and sometimes when we share that you know through social media like we're we're trying to create awareness but we're also like trying to tell people like hey we have not disconnected from our lives because of you it's hard with this child that we is unpredictable sometimes and being in environments like it stresses us out to be parenting and like it's hard to enjoy those moments that we want to when we're worried about how the interaction is or it's just difficult sometimes and so by us sharing we've had a lot of people who were like hey I never thought about like how you feel about coming over to different people's houses like it's really hard for us to go visit other people's houses sometimes because it's an uncontrolled environment that we're not used to it's not we always say it's not Jackson proof like there's things that he can grab there's like food that's out it's like that's why it's really hard for us like sometimes so sometimes just sharing those things on social media um, just creates awareness and creates maybe new perspectives for people who know people who have kids with special needs to you know, filter their thoughts about it, but also like to how be more inclusive to those behaviors and inclusive to those kids who are, and their families who are, you know, walking down that road. So it sounds like you're saying that for families who have circumstances that are similar to yours, if you're in that friend circle, like don't, don't give up on those people yeah. and, and, and you can empower those people by giving them options. Yep. And just, and it just, it's one of those things where it's like, we've had, like, like I said, there's a handful of friends in our lives who make us feel really seen in those situations where they, they get it, where they're, um, you know, when we go on trips or something, they're like, Hey, like, what is Jackson? Like, are there any certain toys he likes? Are there shows he likes? Um, just to kind of make him feel a little bit more um, comfortable or, you know, there was one family who we went to and they were, they knew that one of Jack, one of Jackson's triggers is a food, not that he's going to eat it, but he just likes to touch it. And so like yeah. coming out of a post COVID world, germs, all of that, like going into birthday parties and stuff where there's food all the way there. 
I remember there was a family who was like, hey, we put the food like up high and then like in a different space. So like, it's not going to be, you know, in the open. So we'd love to see Jackson there. It's so, like just that idea that he was thought about or that he was someone had like gone through just the mental things of going like, hey, if we invited the Leos, like there you have Jackson. Like, what does that look like to bring him to a situation or a birthday party or social event? How can we care and feel, make them feel seen? I love it because the the table is that great kind of biblical metaphor of inclusion. And I, and I really appreciate that you're saying that there are people who with a little extra thought and a little extra grace and a little extra creativity are saying we can widen the circle. We can yeah. open the table to include Jackson and, you know, the Leal family, but here's, here's what it might, might yeah. require in order to make that happen. Yeah. And, and then there's plenty of times where like between me and Taylor, we're like, we'll just look at the situation and we'll say, Hey, Hey, let's, you know, split off. I'm going to stay home with Jackson for this one. But then also like you get that same kind of feeling sometimes where people say things, we can go back to like what you're saying, when people say things that can come off just like the hard way is like, you know, one example of like, if Taylor just takes Blake, our little one to a party and not Jackson, you know, the, a lot of the questions are like, Oh, where's Joe and Jackson? And it just kind of reiterates that fact of like, Hey, uh, well, we didn't want to bring, and it has a weird, so some people like have already picked up if like, if just one of us shows up to a place and we don't have them, like, that's just what we're rolling with and like go with it. And because sometimes when people say things like, oh, you should have brought them, like we could have, it just kind of creates that like, you know, negative, like feeling as a parent, like, man, do I not trust my own kid? Like other people believe more in him than I do. Like you kind of run down this circle of like guilt and shame a little bit. And so uh, there's times where people are just like, nope, we know if only one of them shows up, like we're just going to roll with it and be happy that one of the half the family's here for this one. And maybe next time we can have everybody. So there's a kind of like, like a stereotype that sometimes marriages that have challenges around kids who have special needs face different kinds of pressures and strains and kind of obstacles than ones that don't. How how has that played out for you guys? I mean, I, there, that's something that we're still, you know, working on is one of the things that, you know, and my wife takes on a brunt of this. Like she is the person who, is like on Facebook groups late at night, researching more about this genetic condition is, you know, finding different ways for, you know, local help and resources, you know, from, you know, either government aids or school aids or whatever we can do to find more resources, more abilities, more therapies, whatever we can do. And so it's so easy to like lose track of like, not only who you are as like a person, but as even as a, you know, a married couple, because you're investing all of your time into, you know, this child, you want to, you know, we're advocating, we're doing the best we can. And there's been times where like a week or two will go by and we're like, I don't know if we've had a real conversation about our lives, like how we're feeling. And so like those check-ins. And so it's something that we're, you know, not perfect at. Um, It's definitely a work in progress. But one of the things that has been really beneficial for us is we have gotten um, help from the state as far as respite care. And so Jackson gets a certain amount of hours every single week where we have hired somebody who's near and dear to our family that we trust and love and that knows Jackson really, really well, but also knows Blake really well and knows our family dynamic. And so, you know, the actual state actually pays for her to come and give us time away. And so we are able to go, um, you know, go to the gym together or go out for dinner and have a meal together and like actually have those moments to check in. Um, Or even, you know, for my wife, um, she serves with our high school ministry now because of that. Like, so she has an ability and an outlet to not only, get our lives together, but also feel like she can have a little bit in her to pour back out to someone else who's not her own kids. And so having that kind of help has been revolutionary for our lives because it's just giving us that time where we can 
reconnect and <laughs> have a normal kind of conversation together that's not surrounded around by, while our kids are you know around us or trying to advocate or figure out what's best for them. Yeah, and I think that's something that that other people wouldn't even stop to consider to be able to say, well, you just can't you just can't scroll through a list of fourteen possible babysitters like yeah you, yeah that's one hundred percent. So for you to know that you have a person that you can trust and that their resources allow that to happen financially, something that you don't take lightly and don't take yeah. for granted. No, it's it's yeah, it's absolutely huge because that idea, like there, and there's a handful of people in our lives that we, you know we do trust with him. That but those are the people who have gone really above and beyond to like learn who he is. There's like one of our friends' moms is one of the people that watches him and our daughter, you know, quite often. And I mean, she has done her research on the disease, and she's like, hey, I've looked at this like with autism spectrum disorder. Like she's she's doing research on her own to figure out how she can like care. And so for us, like that's a huge lifesaver because you know as he gets older we're like it's not you know your neurotypical child like there's a bunch of things that come with him and not to say I mean he is a very happy kid like most people look at him like he is just a bundle of joy and like he is and like he's the most fun but there are like challenges that come along with that and not everybody you know can is ready for that sometimes sure sure Joe how long has it been since you got the official diagnosis I believe it's about a year and a half since we got the official um, KDM5C diagnosis. We had an autism spectrum um, ASD diagnosis probably when he was like three, but then about six months after that, we got the genetic. So Joe, what would you say to parents who are now where you were then? Like, well, yeah. what do you, what, what do you say to individuals or couples who are, who are just now starting their journey and are, are feeling a little bit overwhelmed? Yeah, I would say, um, the biggest thing for us, and like I said, my wife has really led the charge, is um, she has found somebody who has actually gone through this process, you know, their son has autism and they, um, you know, they are, they've become, you know, sisters <laughs> through this journey as it was just kind of a small world. They're in the same school district, same everything. They actually met here at church um, as Taylor's our kids director. And she had just kind of noticed some things um, about this child that maybe he needed an extra, you know, set of eyes on him. And so she had actually talked to the dad about, Hey, we have a, you know, a room for, you know, it's called special treasure. You know, it's a little bit more one-on-one -on -one for kids who may be struggling a little bit, or maybe, on the spectrum or whatever he had excelled in that room and she had formed a bond with this mom and then we find out you know a few weeks later that we're going through this down this road and so Taylor's friend Tesla has gone down and like she has talked about therapists how about she has got us into different programs she's been like oh we tried this how about that and so it's just been an amazing like team effort between their family and our family of like their their sons you know seven our son's five it's this amazing they have walked you know they're a couple steps ahead of us and so even with talking about like school programs like we're in the same school district which is amazing but she's like hey there's a couple options at this school district for kids who are on the spectrum like you should look into this and you should have you should talk to this teacher or you should you know say this word because that actually gets you a conversation and his IEP in this direction and so just having that person who's walked down that we're like, oh my goodness, like they have opened our eyes, opened our doors to things that have literally changed our lives because we didn't know it was available. And so having somebody who has walked through that and somebody who's been down that road has like alleviated so much of the way for us. Wow. How has your community grown then? Like, it sounds like you're meeting people who have been a couple steps ahead of you and you're meeting other people who are a couple steps behind you. 
Yeah. So there's and just, you know, sharing. And that's one of the things that we've really tried to use our social media for is not only to share the struggles because not every day, but also to create awareness that maybe somebody else is walking down this road. And I know that we've had people who have reached out to, you know, both me and my wife directly, like asking like, Hey, you know, my, we just got a, you know, an autism spectrum diagnosis on our child. Like, where do we start? <laughs> because, yeah. you know, sometimes like, what do you do? Like they get this diagnosis and then you walk out the door and you're like, now what? And so they've reached out to us and just being, being able to go even express like, Hey, well, does your, you know, where do you live? Does your community have, you know, an early childhood special education program? Because if you have an ECSC in your district, like your child can go to that, you know, with that disorder, like with that diagnosis and like they can get OT, you know, occupational therapy, they can get speech therapy, they can get physical therapy, like starting at age three, if you have that in your district. And so we were just talking with our friends who are just starting this journey and like just giving them that information of going like, Hey, not only are they getting those therapies, you know, and they can start at age three, but like, it gives you like an hour and a half or two hours of a break. Like it's free. Like you don't have to pay for that just having that time to like have a coffee before it gets cold to have that mental, you know, reset and just kind of sharing like, Hey, there's resources, there's things out there, but nobody tells you that when you walk out the door, like you have to either find it for yourself or hope that somebody tells you about it. And so for us sharing those things, we're hoping that if there's somebody who's going to walk down this path of not only, you know, any special need really, but just going down this path, like you have to find somebody who's walked down it before you. And so we're hoping to be that for other people too. That's great. Joe, what has your journey with Jackson changed the way that you see God? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's changed a lot because like, you know, you go through that feeling of like, kind of like just anger at times, because especially with just that frustration of, you know, for me, it's always been like, he can't like communicate with me in the same way that my like three-year-old. So like, I'll give you an example. This past um, over Christmas, everyone in our house was sick. And it was really hard because I had one child, Blake, who could tell me, hey, daddy, you know, my tummy doesn't feel good. And I can be like, oh, I'm really sorry, Blake. And then I have another son who I can see is visibly sick, but he can't tell me what is wrong. Like, he can't tell me, oh, I have a headache. Oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, I have a sore throat. You can even act like it's hard to go like, you know, even like asking like, what he wants to drink? Like, do you want water? And he can't tell you yes or no. He just kind of will either give you a no or he touches his head for yes. And so we're with Blake, I can just be like, hey, you know, I know your stomach's upset. You want some orange juice? He's like, no, daddy, I want apple juice. And just that simple difference between apple and orange juice, I can't have that conversation with Jackson. So sometimes it's really frustrating. And like, if I'm honest, I can get like frustrated with God. Like, why me? Like, why did you give me this hand to deal and what am I supposed to do with this? But then there's moments, you know, with, you know, that unconditional love, that love that, you know, no matter what, like I have for this child, and it reminds me of that unconditional love that God has for me, but like also like that unique bond that me and him have and that, you know, our family has with him is we don't need words to to show love. Like, I know he loves me so much. I know he loves his family so much. I'm like, I don't need those words. And so I've seen God work in that, like showing unconditional love, but then also like I've seen God um, show up with just the people that he surrounded us with. And just um, the amount of people who are praying for him, the amount of people who think about him, that care about him. Um, it is a reminder to me that God's saying like, Hey, this is a difficult hand you've dealt, but I'm not making you go through this alone. Like I am going to, provide the people around you and provide the resources around you to walk down this thing. So it, that has really changed my perspective is every time me and my wife kind of have a moment to actually sit down and talk about like where we are on this journey, 
it's mind blowing to us to see the people who have either prayed for us or reached out about him, but also in the way that God has showed up. Like even I look at this for, you know, our state coverage, it's thousands of dollars a month that we are able to have time off for us, but also provide him for therapies. And so it's just an amazing way to see God's providence in our lives over and over again, just not only with the people, but also just the resources that he surrounded us with to try to give Jackson the best, you know, shot at this thing. Joe, it's good for you to, to just to say and to celebrate that there are people who are joining you on this journey that you might not have otherwise met if deck hadn't been like stacked this particular way. What prayer requests do you guys have in the, in this next season for for your son and and for your family that people who are listening might be able to to jump on and pray with and about for you? Yeah, I think it's all the same things that we just have wisdom of what we're supposed to do. He started a kindergarten program. It's kind of a hybrid program at a school. Um, it's a small class with, you know, six kids in it. All of them have developmental delays around different areas. But it's just that idea of what do we do as parents with this journey of school? Do I ever think Jackson is going to be able to graduate high school and have a high school diploma? Like, I don't know what that looks like. And so as we're figuring out like what to do, like, is it more important for him to be in a school where he's learning academic settings or is it more important for him to be, you know, in a ABA type program or, you know, behavioral programs that are going to help him function in the world? Like, how do we like balance those decisions? Because that's a decision that like, you know, we have to figure out is like, how much time do we invest in his education and how much time do we invest in his behavioral and like, where's the balance in those things for us but then also like how do we keep our family like happy and healthy together and those things uh because it's really easy to uh as a couple kind of check out on each other because you're so invested over here and then when you're you know when the kids go to bed and you're finally kind of done it's really easy to just okay i'm like emotionally mentally tapped out for the day i don't know if i could have a conversation of how are we doing in our marriage right now <laughs> i don't know if i'm ready it's all of that just the balance of life and just kind of the decisions of wisdom we have to make that's so good. Joe, if there are other parents or families who are hearing this story and are are curious about your journey or want to lead more or could use some help or input, what what's the best way for them to to get in touch? Instagram is a big one, both of me and Taylor. So, you know, my Instagram handle is just at the real Joe Leal. Um, and then if you go to my page, you'll see uh, my wife's handle in there. Hers is Taylor Leal, but there's a few extra R's in there. Uh, but you'll see it there. Or if you just click uh, on a hashtag that says KDM5C, you'll probably find uh, me or hers post on there. Because like I said, it's a pretty rare condition. So there's not a lot of people using that hashtag, but it is an interesting community that we are beginning to form on there. And so those are the two ways that I would say you can find us. Joe, thanks so much uh, for your time and just for your humility and your courage and your tenacity, just seeing the way that you love and parent both your son and your daughter has been an encouragement and an inspiration to so many people at your church and even in beyond your story has been a blessing to, to Kelly and I and our family. And we just, we want to thank you for walking this road with, with just with courage and humility and, and grace. I think it's a testament to, to your faith and, and the great love that you have, not just for Jackson, but for Blake as well. I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.